The cinemas, the silver screen, the theater, the big screen. No matter what name you give these houses of film, there's one thing we can all agree on. We love to go to the movies. Looking good, Francis. Well rested. Like you've been pitching, not catching. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. If you ask me, everybody in this theater is a giant sucker. Especially you. It's a bit nipply out. I mean nippy out. <laughs> what did I say? Nipple. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Win or lose, we're gonna walk out of the stadium tonight with our heads held high. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. We have had a doozy of a day. Real doozy. I only eat popcorn. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. Welcome to Chuck Goes to the Movies. And now. Here is your master of cinema, Jeffrey Chuck Norris. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. On our last episode, Dan and I kind of had a little conversation about Zack Snyder's uh, vision on Justice League. We didn't give it the full Chuck Goes to the Movies treatment. It was more just like an initial reaction and thought process, but it was a good conversation. I highly invite everybody to go out there and give it a listen. But before we go meet up with today's guest, I just have a few requests as usual. Be sure to give a follow on Instagram and Twitter. That is the best way to keep up with everything happening on the show. I'm still having issues with Facebook, so, you know, to hell with them. Uh, rate and review the show wherever you are capable of doing so. All reviews will get a shout on Instagram and on the show. Speaking of which, huge shout out to my buddy Ian from Why Whiskey Podcast for those wonderful words that you not only said about the show, but about the Lord of the Rings episodes as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You are awesome. And also be sure to check out the Patreon page. It's a wonderful way to support creators like myself. Now, let's play a creepy game of hide and seek and escape being terrorized at the local diner, a.k.a. the closed-up Hardee's, and go join our guest in the theater for today's discussion. So our guest today is no stranger to the show. He's had a little bit of an absence, but he's back, and I'm happy to have him back. Please welcome back my brother, Robert. How are you doing today? What's going on? It's going. I'm good. I just got yeah. off work and, like, sped home. So I I'm just like, woke up. Woo. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like good to work so in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> We're living life in reverse here. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to bed. But, you know, adult. Yeah. Adults, kids, things like that. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do around the house after this recording. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, how's everything been going since we last talked? Uh, let's see. Uh, I tore my bicep. And so I have surgery coming up next week. So there's that. Mm. Um, that sounds yeah, like so that don't hurts. play basketball when you're almost 40. <laughs> don't play basketball when you're almost 40. It, it, it hurts. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't play um, basketball at all. So winning. Well, this is the first time actually, yeah, right. This is the first time I've played in years and all these 25 year old kids at work. They're like, Oh, let's go play basketball. I can keep up with them. Nah. Went up for a layup, stretched out as far as I could. And I heard pop, pop, pop. Like, Oh, nah, that's not good. That's so good. So, nope. yep. So other than that, not much. Ah, that's it's kind of sucky. I do not envy you at all. But you know, that's an outpatient surgery, right? Like that's the in and out thing. Yeah, I go in uh, Tuesday morning. Um, 
scheduled for seven, so I have to get there at five thirty. And then, um, yeah, they said it should be like an hour, hour and a half for the surgery, and then go home that day. Nice. Well, hopefully that's uh, that won't be uh, too much downtime involved with that. Yeah, I'm gonna have somebody watch my dog, so I don't have to worry about that when I get home because I'm probably pretty groggy. That's a smart idea. Smart idea. Yeah. Besides, Thor is still a puppy, so you know he's still rambunctious and everything. Uh, he turned one years old yesterday. Ah, uh, no, I can't believe it's been a year. Uh, well, I haven't had him a year. I got him in July. Oh, uh, for some reason, but, I thought you had yeah. him longer. No, I got him in July, but his birthday was uh, well. From what we calculated, even the vet said I'm I'm guessing his birthday's around April sixth. I was like, that's crazy, because that's exactly what I guess. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, happy birthday, Thor. Thor is awesome. Happy birthday, Thor. I got him a little uh a stuffed uh like a stuffed animal type uh birthday cake. Oh and nice. Yeah, that's ripped to shreds now. Of course. I knew it would be, but That's why we don't buy toys for the dogs anymore, because they just they'll last twenty four hours if we're lucky. I don't buy toys with, with uh with um stuffing. Like, stuffing in them anymore before that reason but i figured it was his birthday so i'll let him have his fun and then that's it yeah nice um well aside from the movie we're going to be talking about today are there any films that you have been watching lately that you would like to recommend to our listeners see what have i watched i did watch justice league you did what i did i did oh okay i i watched justice league the original movie and then the next night, I watched the four-hour Snyder Cut. Ugh. They are two completely... No. Well, oh, yeah. Well, I was at work. Yeah. So um, we we had it on, and it wasn't that busy, so we got to watch it. But they are two completely different movies, and Snyder Cut is ten times better. I'm going <laughs> to... My thoughts are already going to be out at this point, so I guess I can go ahead and say it's still garbage. I didn't say it wasn't, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Snyder Cut <laughs> yeah, is sure. by far a it's, superior it's a completely film different movie compared yes. to what we got from Joss Whedon, but still garbage. It is crazy <laughs> how Josh Whedon went in there and literally rewrote the whole movie. There's just a couple scenes that were like carried over, you know? Yeah, you know, it just um, it's, it baffles you. It really does. Uh, knowing the type of filmmaker that Joss Whedon is and what he can actually produce as a filmmaker, it baffles you that that's what he was given. Or, you know, that's what he gave us, I, I should say. Do you, do, you, do you know what crosses my mind? What? Since he did The Avengers, which is so well-received, such a great movie. Mm-hmm. Did he tank Justice League on purpose? I would like to think that he's <laughs> professional enough not to, but not to say that he didn't do that either. That's actually a very good point, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's like, oh, we don't want DC to compete with with Marvel over here, so let's let's just tank this one. Or you know, maybe maybe he thought the same thing. Is like, well, you know, I'm being handed garbage. Let's see what kind of garbage you know garbage I can put out. You know, I don't know. I don't. I I can't explain the inner workings of not just Joss Whedon here at this point, because I, I even said it's it in the easy. last episode. Yeah. I I can't 100 uh, percent blame Joss Whedon for that original product that we got. 
I'm, I'm going to give him part of the blame, but I'm not going to 100% blame him. You know, Warner Brothers has got to start carrying some of this blame here. They've got they, to start realizing that they cannot right. meddle in these movies. If they ever want to be competitive in the superhero genre of movie making, they have got to stop telling these filmmakers how to make movies and let the filmmakers make the damn movies. Well, not just that. They try to put too That's why Snyder Cut was four hours long. They put too much into it. So... Actually, last night at work, we're we're, uh, we're rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe again. Nice. <laughs> um, we started with Captain America: First Avenger, so we're doing it in chronological order. Mm-hmm. But the thing with that is, what Marvel did is they gave you backstory on Cap, they gave you backstory on Iron Man, they gave you backstory on Hulk, everyone leading up to Avengers. So, granted, in DC, you don't need a backstory on Batman. Everybody knows who Batman is. You don't need a backstory of Superman. Everybody knows who Superman is, which you did get a movie before that. Yeah, anyways. we did. Yeah. But Cyborg, Flash, other characters, um, it'd be nice to have a better backstory or uh, Aquaman, which they did get a backstory, but it came out after um, Justice League. Same thing with Wonder Woman. But it'd Woman. be nice to have – right. It'd be nice to have those before Justice League. So when you do make Justice League, you don't have to spend all this time uh, doing a backstory on all the characters, which is the reason why – I like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 better than Part 1 because Part 1 was setting up all these characters together and giving their backstories and putting them in the situations where in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they've already, they're already been together. They already have a rapport, and the movie just goes. I agree, but I mean, it doesn't diminish Guardians of the Galaxy 1 either. It's still oh, a very amazing a film. Yes, it's a, it's, exactly. No, I completely agree. But... uh. You know, and I, I said the same thing when Dan and I were talking. So sorry for my listeners, I'm repeating myself. Uh, I said that this movie, the jo- uh, the Zack Snyder cut, felt like this jammed together team up plus um, a cyborg origin story. Like, kind of Flash got a little bit, I guess, of a background on this one. Flash. I guess everybody really knows who Flash is, especially since uh, there's a very well-received and very well-done Flash TV show. Obviously, different characters and things are different actors and things like that. But, you know, people know the story of the Flash. We got Wonder Woman. We got Aquaman. We got Superman. We got Batman. This is basically, uh, you know, this is the first real cinematic introduction to Cyborg. So I, I guess that's why there was a huge focus on him in the Zack Snyder cut. Uh, he got and uh, the, the brunt. There wasn't, though, yeah, I know. know. He got like cut from the movie. Yeah, and in, in the Snyder cut, you know, spoiler alert, he's actually like the central character. He really is. They they do a really good job with this. Well, well they do a, a decent uh, extensive, job. <laughs> right? Decent, right, exactly. Yeah, I saw myself there. They did a, a an extensive background look at Cyborg, yeah, which is kind of what you need, which you could have put into his own movie, basically. And something tells me we're never going to see a cyborg movie. So, well, yeah. this was his movie. That's why I'm calling it Justice see, League thing, featuring like, cyborg. That's what I was. I, so I was talking to a coworker last night when we we're uh, watching uh, the MCU. That when by the time Avengers came out, there's only two characters who didn't have their own movie. That was uh, Black Hawkeye, Widow and Hawkeye, which appeared in right Black Widow and Hawkeye, which appeared uh, Black Widow appeared in Iron Man two. And she was a main character in Iron Man 2. And Hawkeye appeared in Thor. He wasn't a main character, but everybody 
got the gist of him and knew who he was. They didn't need a backstory. I actually liked so, the whole mystery that Marvel built around their backstories, and now we're finally going to... What happened in Budapest? Yeah, what happened in Budapest? <laughs> I want to know what happened in Budapest. That made part of the whole... Uh, that that made the whole thing just, like, a lot of fun to watch, too, because, you know, these are established characters. They've got a history, uh, and they keep alluding to this history, but they haven't given us this history. Um, right. You know, um, I guess Black Widow's going to dive into that a little bit more. Uh, we'll I don't come know see if they're going to be... Hawkeye's not in it. No, no, I mean, so, uh, I, I meant to say, like, we're going to dive a little bit more into Black or, Widow or history, right, 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 um, you right. know, uh, come July. And Hawkeye, I guess we'll probably learn a little bit more about him in the uh, He's got his own TV show. TV, yeah, out. exactly. The TV show coming yeah. out on Disney Plus. Uh, so they're going to get their background stories. But those are kind of characters that, you know, I was OK not getting backstories on because I think they did a terrific job introducing them and establishing this kind of oh, no, uh, mystery yeah. behind them. I didn't need to right. know. I mean, I I want to know, but I didn't need to know about their histories. And you just kept just getting little pieces as the movies progressed. And now, hopefully, we'll get the whole picture uh, moving into yeah. the next phase. But uh, yeah, it sucks too because that movie was supposed to come out a year ago. I know, and it, I've been waiting to watch this Black Widow movie since last May when it was supposed to come out, and it's probably going to be garbage. Hey, <laughs> so, be garbage. I, I, I think I'm just burnt out on superheroes right now. So you like, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I will watch it. I'll wait for it to be free on Disney Plus. I'm not paying to watch it on Disney Plus, but, um, oh, you have to pay to watch it on Disney. Yeah, Plus? it's going to be part of their premiere thing where you have to pay extra to watch it for the, uh, like for however, like they did with the Mulan. Theater. You have to pay extra I, at the yeah. beginning, and then they make it. Fr- Part of your regular package, yeah. Interesting. Disney. Uh, I'm probably gonna go see it at the theater. You don't, you also don't have theaters yet, do you? No, rumors have it that they are going to be opening in the next month. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. They're open here. Our governor They've been open here for a while. Our like governor here. is not um, as willing to open like some other governors in the country. Texas. 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 We got it all open. We're 100 percent everywhere. I I know what 100 percent at the Rangers opening. Game. Yep. <laughs> I heard that yep. made. News. I wanted to go to that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, they announced that like months before the. Yeah, the I know, but started. I feel like that. It, I feel like it all just kind of, yeah. you know, came to a point the other day. But anyway, we uh, digress here. Let's head on back. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'll I, I'll watch Black Widow, but I think I'm just a little kind of burnt out on superheroes right now. I need something else to kind of take up my time, and then uh, I will be excited about superheroes. Again, what else have you been watching? Uh, let's see. The night before last, I watched... What was it? Godzilla vs. Kong or Kong vs. Godzilla, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I went to that with no expectations. I figured it was what it was. Mm-hmm. And I left there thinking, huh, it was what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'll have to give it, it a try, okay. I guess. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. I haven't seen a Godzilla movie or a Godzilla movie since the one that uh, came out. Uh, I don't know how long ago. The one with Elizabeth, um, um, what's her face in it? Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, I haven't, I haven't seen a Godzilla movie since Elizabeth that one. Olsen. Yeah, she was in the, she was in that. Um, was it twenty four? Oh, what year did that come out? Twenty fourteen? I don't remember. Is that the one with Brian Cranston and all that? Yeah. That's part of that's part of this series, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so I haven't had I haven't one. seen a Godzilla yeah. movie since. Like I haven't seen oh, Godzilla okay. King of Monsters or whatever it's called. Right, yeah, that one came yeah, out yeah. after. And I haven't Kong seen a Kong out, movie since that Jack Black one. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that so was... I'm a little behind on all of this. But Wasn't that Peter Jackson? That was Peter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. But I know you're, you're, you're done talking about Peter Jackson yeah, for a while. Peter Jackson's on my <laughs> do not talk about list. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I'll, I'll have to get caught up and sit down and watch that. I've heard people, I've heard mixed reviews on it. I don't know if I watched too many movies. I watched a weird movie on Hulu called Tentacles. It's part of the Into the Dark series. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, I do. There's a bunch of movies. Yeah. And I watched that one. It was, it was weird. Um, I've watched another Into the Dark one with about two people being stuck in the elevator. That was actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, they're all horror movies. Um, other than that, I haven't watched too much. I watched a documentary the other night called White Boy Rick on Netflix. It was interesting. Hmm. And I think that's about it. Just been uh, re-watching Big Bang Theory. I'm in season 11, almost done. Nice. One more season left. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I finally started Picard. Ah, and I'm only four episodes in. Uh, I had I had to take a break from it because life got busy and you know trying to keep up with everything else that I got to do. But I I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, honestly, I I, I, too. I I went into it telling myself that this is not the next generation TV show. This is not the next generation movies. This is a this is a a look into an old a character an already established character who's older who's getting into you know getting into his uh rut i guess you know that people who are retired tend to get into and things like that and that's yeah. where the story and you know it's a very interesting story and i've i've been reading a, a lot of reviews on it and people are just really hating on there's like this is not the picard i know I it's like well why. no duh it's not of the picard not. you know <laughs> Have we He's ever not seen Captain Picard? of the Enterprise anymore? He's retired. Yeah. Have we ever seen a Picard that wasn't in Starfleet? No. Now we're getting to see it, yeah. and this is what it's like. And if you don't like it, then don't watch the show. End of story. I think it's uh, very brilliantly done. But uh, like I said in a in another uh, episode, uh, the my he did the thing that Captain Kirk told him not to do. Remember in the movie Generations when Kirk said to Picard. Don't take a promotion. Don't let them promote you. Do whatever it takes yeah. to stay in that captain's chair. And what did he do? He became an admiral. He got out of that captain's chair, and he he got fed up with Starfleet. Well, it's funny, like watching the the Star Trek movies. How many times Kirk became admiral, then got demoted, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just don't ever take the promotion but uh yeah so i've been watching that i uh i really do like that show i can't wait to finish it and i can't wait to see where the second season goes um i know they greenlit it um and then uh i rewatched a league of their own the other day because you threw it on uh, voodoo and i'm like ah oh, I, I haven't seen this movie in a while and fantastic movie i love that movie it's very quotable and uh you threw another movie on voodoo and i regret ever watching this movie which one? Willie's Wonderland. I haven't watched it yet. I meant to watch it a couple days ago, but I haven't watched it yet. It got 65 on Rotten Tomatoes. I. It wasn't a splat. <laughs> I would say spare yourself. It looks hilarious. It's not. It's not. It's not even remotely funny. I didn't chuckle once. Oh. I didn't. I didn't get scared once. Well, I don't know okay. what they were trying okay, to no, do no. with this movie. I honestly you have don't. To, you have to go into the movie thinking this is a Nicolas Cage movie. It's not really even a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> I know that's going to sound odd because he's the main character, but 
This doesn't feel like a Nicolas Cage movie. It, it, it's a train wreck is what it is. I don't think this movie knew what it oh. wanted to be, quite honestly. Well, that's disappointing. It's like they, they were trying so much and none of it worked. And it, it, that's just my I'm opinion on it. it. Yeah, well, I, give it a try. I'm just telling you, you're never getting those minutes back. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, that's all I've been watching aside from, you know preparing for Brightburn today and I have a, another recording in a couple days on My Cousin Vinny so I'm trying to get through that. Oh nice. Yeah, My Cousin Vinny. I haven't seen that movie in years. My favorite. It's actually a great movie. Um, so that brings us to the game time portion of the episode. So you know how this all works. We have a mystery question. We have a Kevin Bacon scenario. You can choose one or the other or both depending on your mood. What would you like to do today? Let's do the mystery question. The mystery question is... All right, so the question is in relation to the actress of the movie we're discussing today, Elizabeth Banks. And my question... See, what? I've never been a big fan of hers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. There's just something about it. Oh, that's a discussion for another yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, it could be a discussion for this time. It could time. be a discussion for this time. Today, yeah. But we'll do that in a little Yeah, while. we'll do that in a little bit when we actually start talking about the cast. But... um. Elizabeth Banks. So she is an actress, obviously. She's also a director, a filmmaker. Uh, she has directed uh, several movies. And uh, my question now becomes, is Elizabeth Banks bankable <laughs> anymore as an actress or a filmmaker? You kind of already gave your answer see, because I you don't did... like her. Okay. Well... <laughs> I'd have to look up to see what movie she's directed. Okay, uh, here's a short list. Um, she directed Pitch Perfect 2. Uh, she directed yeah. that Power Rangers movie. Um, that Charlie's oh, yeah. Angels reboot. Never saw it. I, I didn't waste my time either with that one. It just it tanked everywhere. Box office, it tanked with the critics, it tanked. So I'm like, I'm not yeah. wasting my time. And Again, never saw it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they keep handing her projects to direct and none of them are ever successful. And, you know, I say, you know, she helmed pitch perfect too, which wasn't an overly bad movie in my opinion, but it failed to maintain the magic of the first movie that the first movie established. Uh, and I think that she's one of the best things about the pitch perfect franchise. As far as acting goes, I love her character actor, or character acting in the uh, in these movies. She's funny. She's hilarious. But I just don't feel like she did a really great job um, directing the sequel to this and stuff like that. So uh, I, I guess I've just kind of given my answer to this question. I think she's lost touch with what... Um, with what people have come to expect in movies, especially when she's taking on projects like Power Rangers. I mean, you pissed off an entire fan base with this movie. I mean, uh, th that was, I know what you were trying to do. You were trying to create something edgy. You were trying to create something a little bit more sophisticated and you were trying to give an update to something, um, that already exists, but that's not what fans wanted. They wanted power Rangers, not whatever that right. crap is you gave us. You know what it reminded me of? What's that? The new fantastic four movie. Exactly. Why are you going to take something and completely just throw it away? 
I don't know. I don't get it. And like I said, uh, Charlie's Angels uh, was tanked, so I, I, I haven't seen it, but I can only go based off of what I've been told and what I've uh, read and stuff like that. And again, she took an... Did you ever watch Movie 43? Yeah, it was funny. It was all right. It's one <laughs> it was of those the things... the weirdest movie ever. Yeah, it was one of those things I saw one in it. theaters, and then I haven't watched it since. I've watched it just to show other people how weird it is. Yeah, it is. It's a very, it's a very weird movie. It was a very interesting concept, getting all these famous people to come yeah. in and do all these little bits and uh, stories throughout the movie. But yeah, I don't know, man. It just for me, I guess that was, no, was once enough weird, yeah. type. Um, I'd have to go with actress. She's a way better actress than she is a director. Yeah, uh, she hasn't really directed all that much. But I mean, I mean, I'm not saying she's horrible. Just something about her, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was her time on Scrubs. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot she was on Scrubs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, she was great in Hunger Games. She was. She was She was fantastic in Hunger Games. Um, another role I always loved her in was when she was on 30 Rock playing uh, Alec Baldwin's wife. She was hilarious. So she she's a talented actress. I just, I, I don't think she's bankable anymore as a filmmaker. And I think studios no. need to stop giving her chances. Yeah, so, agreed. That was the mystery question. Cool. Do you want to know what the Kevin Bacon scenario was? Just sure. it's actually pretty easy. Uh, it's uh, you got to connect Elizabeth Banks to Kevin Bacon. Uh, <laughs> never been good at this. You need to cut these out when we do them. Uh, well, you, um, you you already said the movie that would actually link them. Oh, I did? Yeah. So Hunger Games? Yeah. So who was Elizabeth Banks in Hunger Games with? Uh, oh, um, Woody Harrelson? No. Although, oh, good thought. Good thought. I figure Woody Harrelson's like everything. So. I know. <laughs> it's crazy because he took like a long time off and then just started appearing in everything all of a sudden. Yeah. That's like after... After um, Zombieland, then he was just like in everything after that. Oh, uh, he he probably remembered how popular he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Elizabeth. Uh, so who else was uh, who was the main character in Hunger Games? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. And Jennifer Lawrence was with Kevin Bacon or something. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, X Men First Class. There you go. Elizabeth yeah. Banks and Hunger Games with Jennifer Lawrence and X Men First Class with Kevin Bacon. So two connections. That was pretty quick. That was. See, I told you. Yeah. I forget he's an X Men. I, I always forget he was an X Men because he's actually a forgettable villain in that movie. He's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what were they thinking? But anyway, let's talk about this movie. So we are here to discuss 2019's Brightburn, the anti-superhero movie. What if Superman was bad? Who am I? You are a gift. I know it's been difficult for you lately that you feel different from other kids. You are different. After your dad and I got married, we prayed for a baby for so long.
really interesting concept. I think it was great too. Um, yeah, I, I I really thought that when that came out, I was like, wow, that's that's such a good concept, such a such a different perspective on it. I agree. I love the concept of the idea, but I'm going to have to agree with a lot of other people on this one that I don't feel it really hit all the marks it could have. But before we really dive into that, here's just some quick movie facts about Brightburn. It was released on May 24th of 2019, had an estimated budget of $6 million, did $7.8 million on opening weekend, and performed $32.9 million worldwide so for not being a big budget movie or part of any major tentpole or franchise or anything like that it didn't do that bad quite honestly but 32.9 million dollars in 2019 is small change compared to a lot of other films being made in the modern era so where did it go wrong is the big question so we can probably get a little clue in on this one from Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 57% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and is a splat. So this movie did not sit well. It also has a 67% audience rating. Uh, it's not spilled popcorn, but you know that's a lot. That's 10% higher than the critic rating. But again, not so very well received in my personal opinion here i think gun fans like as soon as you heard that name associated with a film plus the concept of what if superman was bad we we all kind of bought into it a little bit too much and expected a lot but again i feel like it really missed the mark what what do you think about that yeah, um, it had a lot of, well, I think it's a great concept of having, of course, you can use Clark Kent, you couldn't use Superman, so they changed all that, so instead of Clark Kent, you have Brandon Breyer, um, it still takes place in Kansas, Yeah. Um, the concept of how he got to Earth is still exactly the same, um, they, I would have liked to seen him get older, you know? See how the how the how how he progresses as he got older, um, you know what I mean there. Yeah, kind of. But I think that's actually one of the things that helps this movie a lot is that they keep him as they a kid. The kid the whole time. Yeah, because there's such that just that actually steps up the creepy factor in my mind. That the fact that it's that a true. kid yeah. doing all of this, it's not an adult. I mean, I I would have feel like it would have missed a lot more marks if they would have just gone ahead and taken him to adult. The fact that it's a kid, that makes it that at least helps with that horror slash creepy factor in my mind. Yeah. Well, I I get that. Um it's like it so so they sent this kid, the aliens, um, from wherever mm -hmm. Krypton or wherever you want to say he's from. Mm -hmm. Um they sent this kid to Earth and he's what, twelve ish at this time? Yeah, twelve. So they knew the plan going in. They're going to send this kid, and eventually, he's going to discover his spaceship, and he's going to—they're going to make him take over the world. But my flaw with that is, why would they want to wait twelve years? Happen? Well, they're also why not just send him as a twelve-year-old or something? You know? 
Well, they're also banking on the idea that he would actually, you know, still be near his ship. Maybe they weren't intending on it being 12 years or anything like that. But the simple fact that uh, his uh, Earth parents hid the ship from him, he had no reason to come in contact with it. Therefore, he wasn't, um, in lack of better terms, activated until he discovered so you're saying it. it could have happened at an earlier age it could have happened at an earlier age or it could never it couldn't have happened at all what if what if what if the parents had found yeah, a no, way yeah, to get rid of the ship they left it right like get rid of it right. and he, there's absolutely no chance in the world but that he would see, have ever come in contact so, with it so he was drawn to the ship he was yes. he woke up one night and his eyes were red and he was drawn to the ship so that's kind of when his power started triggering right then at that point. So who's to say that if he was across the country, he wouldn't have been drawn to the ship. Like he was kind of sleepwalking. He didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Like he could have just floated through the air to wherever the ship was and then gone there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Of course, then his parents wouldn't find him. He they'd have no idea where he is and he'd be completely lost. But yeah. I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions when it comes to comes to this. I just I don't know, man. I just I forget how we even got to this part of the conversation. How did we get here? <laughs> I don't know. We were uh, we were doing the. Like the opening budget and stuff, and then oh yeah, all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> we got to Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. and um, and then we were talking about how it works better as a a kid and stuff like that, and like when when would it? That's that's the plot hole there is like how how did it activate? So why why did the ship choose that time to start calling out to him? There there are a lot of questions. Well, that's what I'm saying too. Like, what, was it was it like an age thing? Like when he hit this certain point in life, mm -hmm. that's when he's going to activate. But then again. If I was an alien race sent somebody to destroy their planet, what I mean, the time concept might have been different on a different planet than it is here. Mm -hmm. So one year to us could have been, I don't know, three hours or something to them. Yeah. To say. Could be. Or I don't know, but it seems like waiting 12 years to activate your weapon is a long time to wait. True. So, I mean, we could only play the guessing game as to why he was activated. Maybe if we ever get a sequel, which I, I, I'm going to preview right now. I promote the idea of a sequel. I do. I do, too. But if we ever get a sequel, maybe we can understand a little bit more about why it happened the way it happened. And that right. would, I definitely think that would be an improvement on the story is to really understand why then, why at that exact moment did that Happen. I also have questions about how his power seemed to manifest, but we'll get there in a little bit. Um, yeah, they just kind of came out of nowhere. Exactly, you know? and at the but most random time... Actually, I thought I had figured right. out when those powers were... It, it was when he would get frustrated or angry, and I was like, oh, powers, yay. Okay, so it, that, that kind of goes along with this idea of being villainous, you know, like as the angrier it gets, the more frustrated it gets, the stronger and more uh, prolific his powers become but then there were times that he used his powers and it wasn't out of anger or frustration so i didn't quite understand the these manifestations well, that's when he figured out that's when he figured out how he can use them yeah when he stopped using them out of anger um 
but he was he had always had the powers in a way because my he might not have been able to fly he might not have been able to shoot lasers out of his eyes but there was a quote uh from his dad at one point where he said he's never bled he's never been cut so that part of his powers he's had his whole life True, and everything else, it's kind of like a sleeper agent, you know. Once one thing is activated, it kind of steamrolls from there. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, I can buy that. But um, I guess a lot of critics really couldn't get on board with the idea of this movie, so uh, allow me to read a few of selections here. I'm going to start with James Berardinelli. Berardinelli. I, I'm going to screw up this guy's name every time I do this. You'd think I would just practice this guy's name since I pick on him a lot. <laughs> All right. So this is what he had to say. Brightburn can at least boast an interesting premise, not that it does anything with it. And he gave it a one out of four. Four. Barry Hertz from the Globe and Mail. I don't. How's this guy a top critic? Globe and Mail. Um. Although Brightburn's final seconds hit at James's more finely attuned cinematic sensibilities, the film is not nearly as strong as its villain. It is, however, just as immature. Oh. Okay, okay. Somebody did have something nice to say about it. Chris Stuckman says, If the goals were a little more clear, the film could have been better. They could have played with the audience's expectations much more, but this is an enjoyable horror movie, almost a slasher film. I kind of agree with him here at this point. Uh, they they really could have played, again, like with our expectations a little bit more. There are certain things that happen in this film, and you have these set expectations of what's going to happen, and then that's exactly what happens, and then it's kind of like, ugh, all right, saw that coming. Whereas they could have led up to this idea, and I, I, this is actually um, something I want to talk about later. I made a note of this, where you know you lead up to this idea, and it could go either direction, and quite honestly, either direction would have been um, kind of a, a little bit of a shock, but then going the other direction would have been a bigger shock. Um, and I'm speaking yeah. very specifically of the lawnmower scene, which I will talk about See, that in scene, a little bit. Yeah. So the, yeah, well, that's actually one of my scenes I want to talk about too. Perfect. Cause I, I've got a lot of thoughts on that one. So, I mean, they could have done so much by th making us think this is where we're headed and then completely taken us another direction. But the they, they fell into the trap, the horror cliche trap. And I really feel like they didn't deliver a fresh take on anything. They took a story we already knew. They took horror ideas that have been run through the ringer several thousand times in many horror movies. And they mashed it all together and we got Brightburn. See, I don't see it that way. I think it's a fresh take on a superhero movie that you would have never thought you would see before. Is it because we've never seen an anti-superhero movie never, of this we, caliber? We, 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 we've never, we've never thought to. Well, we've never thought to see what if Superman had come in uh, evil instead of good. Like, okay, for example, I don't know if you saw it on Voodoo. I put it a couple months ago. There was a um, there's a cartoon, Superman Red Sun. Mm -hmm. What if Superman had landed in Russia instead of the United States? 
what the difference would be. Yeah. So in that movie, it takes place uh, under Stalin in the 50s. Um, and he was, uh, I guess, in, in let's see. Uh, Lana is where he, Lana is where he landed. And people there knew who he was. Um, <clears throat> so he was raised... And uh, in the in the um, in the Soviet Union under Stalin, and in America, Eisenhower tasked Lex Luthor to develop a countermeasure against him because they see him as a threat. And so, uh, Superman prevents a satellite from crashing into Metropolis, and there he meets Lois Lane, who is actually married to Lex Luthor in this version. Hmm. Um, yeah. So Lois tells him about what's going on in the Soviet Union with his home country, that Stalin had captured a bunch of them, and they're dying because they know his true, they know Superman's true identity. So Superman confronts Stalin about this and ends up killing him. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And then he becomes the leader of the Soviet Union. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, it is interesting. There's a lot more that goes on in that movie, too. Um, but it's just like, yeah, what if what if Superman went to another country instead of America? What if he came in as a bad person instead of a good person? Um, we don't know the planet that Brain is from, um, and Superman is Krypton, and this could be some other planet that's just hell-bent on destroying other planets, you know? And maybe they sent little kids to different planets throughout the galaxy to do the exact same thing. Perhaps. But, I mean, that's that's literally the freshest idea in the entire movie again it relied so heavily on predictability and horror cliches that i mean there was really nothing fresh about the movie itself everything felt like i was walking through uh, a montage of horror films except it was about a kid with powers like superman who was evil that was the freshest idea Throughout the entire movie. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I get what you're saying. I do. I just didn't see it that way. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. That's the beauty of art. We all see things differently. Um, Richard Roper said, The premise is intriguing, but this gruesome origin story plays just like any other slasher film with idiots for victims. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, that was a little harsh. I wouldn't say all the victims were yeah. idiots, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, two of the victims were his parents. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know uh, that that they, whole... they played out of love. Well, yes and no. I mean, again, going well, going dad, back so to the horror cliche yeah. here. You know, like one parent is suspecting of uh, the yeah. child's evilness. The other parent That's refuses true. to see it and stuff like that. You know, Elizabeth Banks blindly all the way up to right before her death is just like, "I love you, baby boy," and I'm just like, "Woman, do you not have you not been paying attention the last hour and a half of this movie? <laughs> this kid is evil." All right, it's okay to admit that your kid is evil. Um, for those of you who can't see me, I'm slapping my hand against my other hand here, talking. To, that's how much I just really need Elizabeth Banks to realize her kid is evil. Um, and that's really all I have on um, critic reviews 
for this movie. They're they're not all there's very few nice things to say about this movie, and it's usually just basically everything we've uh, talked about. It's like everybody's like, I, great premise, great idea, very poorly built and executed. The only review that I wrote is this is primarily a character study about that thin line between heroism and horror. I like that. Who wrote that? I do too. That's why I wrote that down. Huh? Who wrote that? Oh, I didn't write that down. Oh. I must have <laughs> missed that when I was going through everything. Yeah, but out of all the ones that I read, I like that one the best. I like that. Yeah, you know, uh, there there is a thin line between... Uh, taking it back to Marvel real quick, I mean, that, that entire storyline was explored in uh, basically... Between Age of Ultron and Civil War, there is that fine line. Where where do you stop being heroic, and where do you start being terroristic? You know what I mean. The, the perfect example of that in the MCU is Loki. Exactly. Oh, he always toes that line. You know. Yeah. He he's a bad. Oh, you know, I can't call him a bad guy. I don't know what he is. See, it's hard to because he was controlled by Thanos and Avengers. Yeah, but. He is a bad, I mean, having his dad vanished. He's, I don't know. He's, he's not a good guy, but I wouldn't call him a villain by any means. I'm actually kind of interested to see the team. He redeems himself a lot. Does he? I am too. Does he redeem himself? Yes, he does. (laughs) He redeems himself a lot. Um, He redeems himself when, uh, in Ragnarok, when he, of course, selfishly (laughs) takes over the ship go help all the Asgardians onto it and leave Asgard before it's destroyed. Um, he has his little redeeming moments throughout the whole MCU. When he tries to kill Thanos, but of course doesn't work and he dies instead. Uh, Do you know there's a fan theory on that one? What? He never. He didn't actually die? Or maybe we should save that for... But let's save that, oh, yeah, I've let's save that, that for another time. <laughs> yeah. I read it the other day and I was like, oh, eh, interesting. Huh. Well, I guess he could have faked. I mean, he has faked his death many times already. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to support. There's a lot of evidence apparently to support the idea that he didn't actually die in that scene. But we'll save that for uh, another talk. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Loki is a fine example of that line. Where where do you draw that line between heroism and horror? And um, <clears throat> again, I like the fact that they wanted to explore that. I really, really do. I just uh, uh, beating a dead horse here. <laughs> so um how has this movie impacted your life or influenced your love of other movies if it's done either or i mean have we already answered that question i just i mean to me i just thought it was a great concept for an anti-hero movie mm-hmm. um hasn't really in fact impacted my life or influenced my love of movies i just thought the concept when it came out i was like oh wow never thought about that what if superman came and was evil instead of good yeah no, I, I, because wh- how, how do you how do you, how do you stop him? You know, if you have Superman who's good, you don't have to stop him because he's helping you. But if you have a Superman who's bad, you have no way to stop him at all. So the only thing that hurts him is that ship, and who knows about that? Nobody. His mom, who is now dead. Yeah, exactly. So there is no way to stop this this kid from destroying the destroying the planet, hmm. taking the world, as as he says. Yeah. And according to the reporter at the end of the movie, there's others like him. That's what he said. That's what he said. 
Uh, this movie definitely. You see, I, I, what? Go ahead. I was gonna say that's that's why I'd like to see a sequel because I want them to expand on that. Exactly, and that's actually something that I'm glad you brought that up, or you know, we both brought that up because that's that's one of the things I want to talk about here as far as like influencing my love of other movies. So uh, this movie didn't have any impact on my life, but it has influenced my belief that there are certain movie ideas that should either remain ideas or be given more of a chance to develop. And here I really feel like I love this idea. I love this idea. I just really wish they would have spent a little bit more time creating it more. I like this movie despite some of its predictability and horror cliches. It's a movie I can sit down and be entertained by, but also a movie where I I just, I want that more. I want more expansion. I, I want more something. It felt lacking in so many ways. And very much like the DCEU, it felt like it was building up to something that will not deliver and a payoff. Deliver. Yeah. And exactly. taking it back to that scene there at the end of the movie where you have um, the reporter talking about others like him uh, who are very similar to other Justice League characters, you know, like a witch that uses ropes and other right. things to strangle people, a man in the sea who's uh, capsizing ships and all sorts of stuff. Well, you know, that's allusions to Wonder Woman and Aquaman and things like that. Uh, they've also, uh, have you ever seen the movie Super with Rain Wilson? Yes. Okay, you know. So it's been a while, but yes, I have seen it. That's a James Gunn movie, and... They connect that movie to this movie because they show a picture of Rain Wilson's character. Yeah. So there's this idea that there is this shared universe. And again, it's like they were setting up something that we're never going to see delivered on. So if you are going to end up doing a sequel, deliver on this idea. And, you know, you, you've but set up this, a wonderful version. I'm sorry. Uh, continue. Oh, I was going to say, you've set up a wonderful, you've set up a wonderful opportunity for a story. Uh, all right, you got lost in some horror cliches. That's fine. You can find your way back, and you can create fresh horror takes with a character you've established. Give us a little bit more background on him. Maybe answer some questions on him, or leave it a mystery. For all I care, sometimes the mystery is part of the fun. But you have the you you've set up a wonderful opportunity to create something amazing, and I really just feel like they're not going to jump on it. So in this scenario, with you have a man in the water capsizing ships and a woman choking people. Every superhero is now a villain. That's basically it. They, they've kind of like we're in an alternate universe, and right. every every villain that we know is a bad one. So somewhere out there, I guess in this idea, since they they're leaning very heavily with DC characters at this point, um, somewhere out there, there's an evil Batman. He's not out there fighting crime. He's probably leading the crime. You know, and there's a Joker sure. out there. Trying to stop him. And see that that, that that was my question. If we did it that way, would the villains of the DC universe now be good guys? That, that's that's a very good question. I actually see. I like that take. Why can't we have that flipped? You know, idea. So they could expand on that a little bit more. Also in the sequel, like, hey, you know, for obviously for every point, there's a counterpoint. That's just how the world works. Right. 
So if there's all this evil, well, there's got to be a good to counteract it, right? So, right, yeah, of course. You can have fun with that and flip everything around. You know, I'm not not overly familiar with all the villains in the DC verse, uh, not a, not as well as I am with the Marvel ones. But I'm, there's some, it, there's some great uh, villains out there that would be interesting to see flip over to the good side. I mean, we're already starting to kind of, uh, you know, we used Loki as um, that, you know, riding that thin line earlier. Uh, DC's been playing with that. They've got Suicide Squad. You know, these are these are yeah. known villains who are now skirting that line and doing good for selfish reasons, but doing good and stuff like that. Harley Quinn, is she ever truly evil? So, going back to Justice League, Zack Snyder, I think Jared Leto's Joker redeemed himself in that movie. I agree wholeheartedly that is one of the only true things i enjoyed that about that, that film. is that is what jay uh jared leto should have been joker all along that the uh, one they had in suicide squad was ridiculous it was i i get I, I i get they were trying to go for like over the top clown playful or something like that they needed to find they obviously they couldn't recreate a Heath Ledger Joker. There's never right. there going to be anything to touch that. Just like, you know, I love Jack Nicholson Joker. There's never going to be anything that touches that either. That's fine. But they needed to find that balance where you like what they did with Heath Ledger. There was something comical and over the top about him, but he was so grounded in grit and darkness and stuff like that, that it, it was just a beautiful balance. And they could have found that with Jared Leto while making their own version of Joker. And I really feel like they kind of did a better job capturing that during Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, he's still insane. He still finds the stupidest things funny and things like that. But he's it's he's darker. He, and obviously that's implied that they're in a darker timeline. But I liked that version of and Joker. See, that's the version of Jared Leto Joker, yes, that I would have loved to have seen in Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was way too over the top in Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. So now what I want to see is a movie with Ben Affleck. And I guess it'd have to be Jared Leto at this point. Their foot. No. When Joker kills Robin, because all you saw in Batman vs. Superman was just his costume with Joker's writing all over it. I s That's what I want to see. I still believe Jared Leto was Robin. What? I still believe Jared Leto's Joker was Robin. I've never heard that. We'll talk offline about it. There's evidence to support okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to turn into another Justice League talk. Uh, but no, um, Interesting. Th there's there's evidence to support it, and I will I will point you in the right direction, to, and you can so make Joker... it for yourself. Okay. Hmm. All right. But... uh. Fair enough. No, but I I would like to see I, I I too would like to see a movie with those two in it. Well, then in case in that case I want to see that movie. Then. Yeah, I, I would love to see that <laughs> movie. Know? I would love to see. If that's the case, that I want movie. to see that. And they also hint at it in their banter back and forth in Justice. Uh, again, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> um. 
so let's talk about the cast of this movie, Brightburn. Uh, not a big cast, uh, not a lot of names that uh, you're going to recognize outside of your central characters here. So we've we've talked about Elizabeth Banks. We've talked about movies and TV shows she's been in or directed and things like that. She's established and stuff like that. Uh, you got David Denman, uh, Denman, David Denman, Denman. Uh, playing her husband, Kyle. Uh, most notably, everybody's going to remember him from The Office. Uh, but uh, he's one of my favorite movies that he was in was uh, the replacement. He was in the replacement. No, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he was. He played the tight end, the deaf tight end. He was young. He came out in oh, in two thousand. <sighs> I, I honestly don't remember that. So now I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that. Um, and another one that I really liked him in, which was one of my favorite comedies, is Out Cold. Oh, I forgot about Out Cold. <laughs> where he plays the bartender who pretends he's straight but really not. Oh my god, that movie is hilarious. Uh, yeah, now I want to watch Out Cold. Um, and Zach Galifianakis is in that. Yeah, he's, he's that. hilarious in that movie. Um, and because he he acts like a, 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 a human being in that one, not like his Alan character in The Hangover, which he now gets typecast for. I know, but I like him as Alan. I that movie oh, would not have That's been hilarious. funny without Zach no, Galifianakis. Yes. I, 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 I completely agree. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I, I like Bradley Cooper just fine. I thought uh, Ed Helms was okay. Sometimes Ed Helms is a little yeah. annoying to me. Yeah, but he, yeah. That I, movie I, would not have been the same without that. Zach Galifianakis. Just saying. No. Um, he was also in movies. Uh, he was in Power Rangers movie, the one, the Elizabeth uh, Banks. Uh, led Power Rangers movie and uh, he was also I've been wanting to sit down and watch this movie but I haven't been wanting to sit down and watch this movie that Logan Lucky movie with Daniel Craig and um, um, right that guy from Star Wars whose name I can't think of all of a sudden but I I sat down to watch it one day and turned it on and got 30 seconds into it and decided I didn't want to watch it yet (laughs) (laughs) and I never went back to it yeah, because uh, that was a Steven Soderbergh film too. Yeah. So you know, and I like him as a director. So I was very intrigued to watch it. I just have never gotten around to sitting down and watching it. And I think part of me it was just like, what if I hate this movie? Do I really want to watch this movie? <laughs> but hey, you know that you just got to take the chance. I've heard it's got mixed reviews. I've actually heard it wasn't that good, but yeah, I like to judge myself. Yeah, I mean, you always got to judge something for yourself. You know, just like, you know, watch Willy's Wonderland. You may like it, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the, be- Whatever. the best Nicolas Cage... I like Nicolas Cage there. I know. <laughs> Whatever. The best Nicolas Cage role of mine, is, uh, my favorite role of his, is Face Off, when he's playing the villain. As soon as he yes. becomes the good guy, I, I, I hate him. He... Oh, he was perfect as a villain at the beginning of the movie? Yes. Yes. It's like... That's but I love the trade-off there. I thought I they both see. did a good job. Yeah, but I mean, it, I thought I thought him and Travolta both did a good job on playing Caster Troy. Yes, but uh, it just it felt so. I'm so tired of seeing John Travolta be the bad guy, and I'm so tired of seeing it's it's that typecasting, you know. When do you see John Travolta being a bad guy? Broken Arrow, Face Off. Oh yeah. Um, I guess you could say Pulp Fiction, but. And he's a bad guy, yeah. but he's not the bad yeah. guy. He's great, and uh, I yeah, love that movie. Yeah, Pulp uh, Fiction. Just up until the overdose scene, and then I can't stand that movie after that. 
Uh, it really, it loses me. Like, as soon as I get to that scene, I'm like, done. Bye. It's, kind of, it's like Django Unchained. I love Django Unchained, but I sometimes just skip to the part where they introduce Leonardo DiCaprio because his character is the best thing about that movie. And I know that's weird yeah. for me to say because I don't like Leo DiCaprio. Uh, yeah, neither do I. I, never have. Uh, the, I like one movie he's in. I mean, I've watched all his movies. Same. And I like his movies, but... I like movies, yeah. The only role that I really like him in is What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. That's a great movie. Um, but anyway... Taking it back. So the kid in this movie is uh, Jackson Dunn. Here's our MCU connection. Oh, yeah. Another, yeah, I was just about to say that. Jackson Dunn, MCU. So his the two biggest movie names on his uh, resume are Brightburn and Avengers Endgame when he plays 12-year-old Scott. For like seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his big roles. He's got uh, He's got 11 titles to his name, but like Unless you're into kid kid movies, I think he was in something called a Harvey Danger or something like that. You're not really going to recognize a lot of the stuff that he was in. He was actually in uh, three episodes of Shameless. I don't know if you've watched Shameless. Shameless is a good show. I love Shameless, and I honestly don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember, but I've only either. seen up through season seven, so I, I stopped. I, oh, stopped I don't know when seven. he was in it. Uh, and then everybody, I think they're on the final season. Yeah, right they now. are. They're actually. Um, yeah, they should be uh, airing the final episodes um, like in the next couple of weeks or something like that. But um, everybody else in the movie, I really didn't recognize as far as I mean, I like I recognized a face and I'll bring him up. Matt Jones playing Uncle Noah. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a character. He was in actor. two episodes of How I Met Your Mother, mm -hmm. three episodes of Community, three episodes of The Office, 12 episodes of Breaking Bad, six episodes of NCIS, uh, 54 episodes of that show called Mom with uh, Anna Faris. Yeah. So he's he's been in a lot of shows here and there. Yeah, is, uh, that's what I was looking like. That's a that's a face I recognize, but it's not a name that I'm overly familiar with. So yeah, Matt Jones playing Uncle Noah, and uh, I didn't recognize any other names except for uh, at the very end our our reporter friend talking about all the other villains, uh, Michael Rooker. So um, Noah's wife, which is Elizabeth Banks' sister in the movie, yeah. Um, what's her name? Uh, Marley or something? Uh, Marley. Um, Marley, okay. In real life, she is married to Wyatt Russell. Really? Yeah, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Interesting. Who is now in America. Shh, some of us aren't watching yet. <laughs> oh. Oh, are you one of those sons? I am one of those sons, but I already knew that, so it's not like that was ruined for me. I, but. I, I'm pretty sure, like everybody, knows <laughs> everybody knows that. I mean, if you're not watching, yeah, Disney hasn't if even done anything to hide that fact. I know. <laughs> I was like, I wow, know. give away everything, Disney. Why don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I know he's playing in it, and but the show is actually really good. I I want to wait till the entire first season is available to watch. It's kind of like it's kind of like WandaVision. I really wish I had waited till WandaVision was 100% done before I sat down and watched it because I really was tired of waiting for each episode to come out yeah. once I finally got caught up. Know, so as soon as Falcon's first season is done, then I'm there. I'll watch it. Well, there's only six episodes, so and I think we're only three in. Mm -hmm. So I should think three more, season, uh, three more episodes and then season's over. Excellent. Then I will watch it. And Loki's not even coming out to like June or July or something like that. I know, but it, that that looks good. I I will admit the trailer oh, yeah. they released the other day intrigued me very much. Owen Wilson, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, to watch the I'm actually excited 
to see Owen Wilson hit. And apparently they're supposed to – I didn't really watch this trailer, but I heard pieces about it or on it when it was on TV. And they're trying to fix the timeline yeah. that Loki screwed up when he took the test track apparently. Yeah. So which is good because that creates a big, huge hole in the MCU. Yeah. You know, you got to trust Kevin Feige. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's like, guys, stop questioning me. I got this. All right. Um. But you know, uh, he and uh, he and Tom Hiddleston, uh, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, uh, look like they have some really amazing uh, chemistry together, and they have some good lines and uh, banter back and forth, just from what you could see in the um, trailer so far. So I'm excited to see uh, how they develop yeah. it and stuff like that um, a little bit more. But uh, yeah, and then like I said earlier, Michael Rooker uh, just coming in at the tail end there, and. Uh, playing oh, the James reporter Gunn, so he likes to get his guys yeah you know james gunn you know, i mean filmmakers like to work with the same people sure i get it mm -hmm. if they work for you they work for you i mean that's how it is uh so out of all these people uh who would you say is your favorite um actor actress character in this movie uh kyle the, the dad really how come yeah oh i just like the how how he doesn't see through the BS, you know? Mm -hmm. He's skeptical the whole time. From day one, he knows something's up. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that scene where he tries to shoot him in the back of the head. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this is your son who, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is your son who you've raised for the past 12 years. Mm -hmm. And then you take a rifle to the back of his head. And of course, it didn't work out too well for him. But nope, that's actually one of my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, honestly, I'm gonna go with the kid on this one, Jackson Dunn. Yeah. Uh, I think he pulled off the right amount of creepy villain while maintaining that kind of like child, you know, childlike status. I guess is the best word I could use to uh, really describe that. You know, this character. Brandon is caught between two, these two worlds and that's that's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around for anybody let alone a child actor I mean but I feel like he pulled it off uh, very well um, you know it's easy for audiences to forgive bad acting uh, when it's a kid unless you're uh, what's his face from the Phantom Menace Jake Lloyd that it's like <laughs> people will forgive you people generally. Forgave that? I'm sorry. People forgave that. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. People will generally oh, forgive oh, you yeah, unless okay, you're I, that I, kid. I you're unless you're, yeah. Unless you're, you know. But gotcha. for me, this performance didn't need forgiving. I feel like he he did the he did a very um he did an amazing performance. To me, this performance is equally as chilling and confident as the performance by Macaulay Culkin from The Good Son. You know. Oh yeah. I mean. He was evil in that movie. No, that's that's a really good choice, and yeah, and I and I can't argue with any of that. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, this this kid hasn't done a lot of acting, but it's so, I really feel like he embodied this character of Brandon, and he did the best job he could with it. Like there's scenes, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, where it's just like he has to have zero emotion. I truly believe this kid has no emotion in real life. Right. Like seriously, kid, can you can you do something that seems genuine? And yeah, I think uh, he did a great job. With so it. has he had has he had no emotion 
up to this point. No, or no, because you, 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 and then, you see him like do smiling and right. stuff like that throughout the like beginning stages of the film and stuff like that. So I, I think he. So when that trigger hit, he became emotionless and evil. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's where like all of a sudden it's it's <sighs> robotic is not the term I'm gonna want to go with, but it's the only one that's coming to head right now. But it now. kind of seems that way. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like all of this. Yeah, you know, it data <sighs> data from Star Trek. You know, remove the emotion chip. That's what Brandon is. He's just there. He's functioning, and he just he. he but many would say he also acts based off an emotion because he's angry. He's He's angry and he's frustrated and the angrier he gets, the more powerful he becomes. So he is very emotion driven, but then there's times where the emotion's not there. Uh, you know, like uh, the scene where they're talking to him about his uncle dying. Yeah. And he's just sitting yeah, there so like, stoic. Okay. Like, I, I, you, do, do you want me to cry? I, I forget the exact line he says. It's like, I think, oh, yeah. I and think and you want me to like, cry. Do you like, want to cry? You, is that what you want to do? And he's like, no. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. So he did a great job in me. No, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, so that brings us to top scenes and sequences. Would you like to go first? We kind of already alluded about it. So why don't we uh, go with the lawnmower scene here? So the lawnmower scene, has he realized in his life, maybe he hasn't, but he had to have, of course, his dad did that. He's never been cut or that he's never bled in his life. Because mm -hmm. when he threw that lawnmower, it surprised him. He's like, oh, wow. That's when his power started coming out. He walked up to that lawnmower and stuck his hand in the blade. I don't think I'd be that gutsy to do that if I wasn't sure that <laughs> I can't get cut. <laughs> That's a... That's a good question, and I don't know if he truly, you know, maybe in some deep down subconscious level, he probably knew something was different about him. But I mean, quite honestly, think back on your childhood. Do you remember every little cut, scrape, um, anything that no, happened? No, but I remember getting hurt. Yeah, you, you remember getting hurt, or you remember the big incidents, you know, like for me, I remember when uh, we were living out there in Pecan Valley and rode the bicycle down the hill and I took that turn a little too fast, hit that loose gravel and I flipped my bike. I also remember uh, running my bike into a pasture fence. That hurt like hell. Um, I remember all those really, really, I remember stepping on the rusty nail, um, but I, I remember the excruciatingly painful stuff, but I don't remember every little thing. So, you know, I know I got hurt as a kid, but I couldn't sit there and recall all the memories of it. So he probably knows deep down inside, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't get cut or scraped like the other kids, but he probably shrugs it off, too. You know, like, I, how do you explain that as a 12 year old? Right. I think I would, I would have gone lower scale, though, if I'm if I'm testing whether. Oh, whoa. I get hurt or not. He just threw a lawn. <laughs> he just threw a lawnmower across just, the lawn. He he's feeling that, confident but you just now. Stuck your hand in a lawnmower blade. <laughs> um, I like this. I, I I like that scene too. Um, for one, well, for starters, it's very impossible that that lawnmower would have done that. Uh, once it flipped upside down, it would have stopped because 
Yeah, right. But anyway, we're not going to go into the technicalities of that. Uh, I, I like that scene, but that's one of those things where I felt like they set up an expectation and they could have really messed with us as an audience. So obviously, you know, he's going to stick his hand in that. That's where that scene is leading. And it gave you the exact outcome that you anticipated. He stopped that lawnmower blade. And here's where I say they could have subverted our expectations. I truly believed that his powers were only there during times that he was exhibiting certain emotions, such as anger, frustration, or anything like that. He's not angry or frustrated anymore at this point. He's more curious and wondering, how the hell did I throw this lawnmower across the pasture? He could have easily stuck his hand in there and had it chopped off. And I thought that would have been a far more chilling and unexpected outcome to that scene. But then you'd have a movie with your superhero in chopped up hand. Maybe he can grow it back. He's a superhero Maybe. for crying out loud. But it's true. I, I think I think it would have been a lot more interesting if you went with that story idea that his powers were only capable, I guess in this point during certain times or through certain emotions and it could but then it, that tears down the entire idea that they've already built up like he never gets hurt he never gets a cut or anything like that so i i realized the flaw in my idea here but i just really feel like we could have had a really fun misdirection here somehow i still like the scene yeah i know I, I get that that would be that would have been cool yeah yeah either way you know it was a nice it, it was a it was a shocking scene Anyway, because, you know, that who in their right mind, like you said, wants to stick their hand in a running lawnmower, you know, it's, it's I I get I hate even reaching down into my garbage disposal to get something small. That oh, yeah, down me too, because I was afraid you can turn yeah, on. I, it's a very irrational <laughs> fear. Unless I hit the split, split, but, yeah, yeah, you know, like I'm staring at the switch the whole time and I can clearly see that nothing, no one is near this <laughs> switch and it shouldn't be turning on unless my garbage disposal is a hidden Decepticon, but I still get to have that irrational fear. So I, I truly, it's a soul, a powerful scene, no matter which way it decided to go, because I feel like that's a fear everybody has or a lot of people yeah. have anyway. So yeah. Lawnmower scene. <laughs> Lawnmower scene. Um, what's another scene that, uh, you would like to, bring up so let me let me throw this out there go ahead do you think that the killings in this movie were too gruesome no no well all right uh, okay uh, for, a su- uh, for, for a superhero movie i uh, granted it's rated r it's a horror granted movie it's a horror movie but do you think the killings were too gruesome examples you have that piece of glass, uh, uh, glass sticking out of america's uh, eye <laughs> exactly <laughs> And later, you see her pinned up to a wall with her intestines hanging out. Um, when he dropped the truck with his uncle in it, and his jaw completely came off, and he's trying to put his jaw back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kills his dad by shooting lasers into his head, going right through his skull. Uh, he ripped off uh, oh, the, the cop house, the sheriff that was standing on the front porch when he like smashed into him, and you can see just like blood go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when he killed the other cop. In the bedroom, I forget how he killed her, but I remember there was blood everywhere. Like her face was, oh, he threw her through a window, so her face was all cut up, and she's just bleeding now, like trying to gasp for air. 
And for a superhero movie, it is pretty gruesome. And I think that's why a lot of critics gave it what it was because for a superhero movie, it was too gruesome for them. Even though it's not a superhero movie, it's an anti-superhero movie. But I think it's too gruesome for a lot of people. I can I can definitely see that. Um, I it didn't bother me at all. Uh, it didn't bother me except for the eyeball. Um, uh, yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> it didn't. And then and then it showed it from her, oh, her angle I, oh, or her perspective with the one red. Just I thought like, that was pretty liquid coming that, down. That was nice camera work. I like that. I, I like that perspective. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just. Again, knowing that it was a horror film, yes, it's a superhero film, it's an anti-superhero film, but in the end, it's a horror film, and that's that's how I went into it. And so, when okay. it comes when it comes to horror, you know, th the more gruesome the killing, that actually doesn't bother me. And and it's, did you know going in that is a horror movie though? Like, wh wh when did you see this movie? I saw it at the theater, I knowing it was an anti-superhero movie. What if Superman was bad? Not realizing that it'd be a gruesome horror movie. I saw it after you loaded it onto Voodoo and told me about it. But I just, I the only reason I knew it was a horror movie is because it was already on my radar and it was on the list of horror movies that came out that year and stuff like that, you know, so. So I think a lot of people went into the movie thinking it's just, oh, what if Superman was bad? Not realizing there's going to be blood and guts and everything else in it as it was. Well, that that that's the shock and awe factor. That, that, oh no, no, and uh, great! I, I I enjoy the movie the way it is. I don't that blood and guts and stuff doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. But I think I think a lot of people went into it not not thinking that it would be that that gruesome. Fair, and that's probably why it didn't perform as well because what certain people had expectations, and then it was something else. So I guess it did subvert expectations for a lot of people. But then those who knew what it was going into it did it had the opposite effect on them i don't know i don't know that makes this a very interesting movie yeah hmm well speaking of that eyeball scene which still makes me sick oh <laughs> it's like have you ever seen that movie would you rather I don't think I have. Uh, it's not an overly great movie, but there's a scene that involves an eyeball and a razor blade and a little. Anyway, um, <clears throat> like I like I've been saying throughout this whole episode so far, you know, there's a lot of cliched horror staples throughout this movie, um, but even the cliche managed to catch me in my little heebie-jeebies here and there, and that diner scene is one of those instances. Uh, you know, first, you know, starting off with the whole Blair Witch vibe in that diner scene where yeah. all of a sudden Brandon's little symbol shows up all over the windows. All I can think of is the handprints all over that basement wall and Blair Witch Project. Um, and then there's the part that makes me want to vomit. And that's, uh, you know, the shards of um, light bulb glass flying into our poor victim's eye and then she you have to watch her pull it out okay to me you already you already set the tone for what's happening in this diner scene you showed the glass shard in her eye did we really have to watch her pull it out no and pull oh. it out 
Well, she's not going to leave it in there. No, though, no, no. She? I mean, she can pull it out by all means, but do we <sighs> have to watch it? No. Um, yeah, it's part of the horror. <laughs> it's part of us. That's the only part that makes me want to go, ugh. Uh, and again, that's one of the reasons I, I got sick watching Would You Rather with eyeballs and sharp objects. But, you know, then you add in this vision of Brandon as he's like toying with her. Toying with her. Yeah, he was toying with her. And then he goes in for his final attack. I actually skipped part of the scene during the rewatch because as soon as it got to the eyeball, the entire scene came flooding back to me. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't even want to watch the rest of the scene. I know it, but it, and therefore, like you said, it's accomplished its purpose. It's grossed me out. It's given me that like feeling and that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to creep you out. It's supposed to scare you or it's supposed to gross you out. And for me, it did at least two of those three things. It didn't scare me. It just grossed me out and Yeah. All right, I want to stop thinking about this eye. Uh <laughs> what else do you got? Um I like the whole ending sequence where uh he's going through the house and then when he takes his mom up to the sky and drops her and then sees the plane and then oh it's crazy it's actually the scene that's on right now Damn, you're already <laughs> at that scene as i'm watching it as i don't i know it's like yeah this movie's like an hour and a half long and it's already at the end of the movie huh but um but yeah so he's dropping her right now and then he sees the plane and in his mind he figures hey this is the perfect alibi the plane crashes into a barn house kills everybody i'm the lone survivor yeah I like that. That but worked out. It did work out. I just think there would be other questions. For one, his dad wasn't there. I mean, I guess they could... Uh, his dad wasn't there. His dad died in the woods. I think eventually they'd find him. Um, the injuries on his mom wouldn't be congruent with the plane crash. The injuries on, right. The injuries on his mom wouldn't be, wouldn't be consistent. There's two dead cops there as well. Uh, and then the plane goes down. And he's just sitting on the back of an ambulance eating a cookie. <laughs> you know? Like, nothing's wrong. No emotion. Eating a cookie. But for a kid, I guess 12 years old, that is a perfect alibi. Have a plane crash into my house. That explains everything. Yeah, and they would have no reason to suspect anything else. I mean, it's a 12-year-old kid versus a plane crash. Like, you know, how are they going to write exactly. it off? Oh, plane crash. Uh, but, in fact, they just showed it right now as I'm watching it. So he put that uh, his symbol everywhere, right? Every time there was killings. Yeah. It was on the side of the plane. They just showed it. Oh, nice. I missed that. Yeah. They just panned past the plane, and there was a symbol right, at the, they... right on the plane in red. And then they showed him eating a cookie. And then, bam, it says Brightburn movie's over. But at that point, they don't, they don't know that symbol is associated with him. I they think don't that, know that. I think it's only the safe. The only to... one who did was the sheriff. Yeah, exactly. I think it's only safe to assume that as he went on with life and you know started terrorizing throughout that symbol would become more synonymous with him but at that right. point he's not who he is yet or he's not who uh you know the reporters claiming he is uh that we see later. Oh, no, now they're showing symbols everywhere all over the country with uh that he's burning into crop yep. fields and all so, that yeah stuff. now he's coming so, into his own michael roker so yeah. they would have no re right Although, you know, as a cop or as an investigator, you'd probably be like, what, what is this symbol doing here? How did this get here? 
But then by then it'll be too late because he's yeah. already off doing whatever he's doing. You know, what happens to him after this point? Does he go into the system? Does he just run away? What does he do? See, I wondered that too. They'd have to do something with yeah. him. But he doesn't have any family. He killed yeah. everybody. Yep. Yeah. He. Well, his. I guess his aunt's still alive, isn't she? Did she live? Yeah. His uncle, uncle died. died. Father died. And then parents yeah. died. But yeah, she's still around. I don't think his aunt died. Yeah, she's still uh, alive. A loose but at that point, I think she she would. <laughs> yeah. Well, at that end, I, I think she'd have reservations about keeping him. You uh, know? He probably left that ambulance and killed her immediately. Who knows? Good. Good have. Um, good catch on. What are your favorite Good scene? catch on that one. Missing the symbol on the plane. Um, last one, the uh, last thing I have is uh, where, you know, Brandon's parents are informing him of his Uncle Noah's death. So aside from the accusations being implied by his father during this scene, it also captures something more pivotal, pivotal about Brandon's views on life and humanity. And that's the simple fact that he has no remorse. You know, he has no feeling or care yeah. towards other people, even if he, you know, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert, I don't know, we've already said it, wasn't directly responsible for his uh, the death of his uncle. He would have at least some hint of emotion to somebody who's been a right. major part of his life up until this point. For 12 years, yeah, yeah exactly. So the scene gets me in many ways because, again, I'm just so... I'm so... enamored with the idea that this kid can pull off this emotionless sequence. But then I also think about, you know, my own conversations with my own kids. I don't have a 12-year-old. I've, I've, I've got one that's halfway there. I have a six-year-old at home. And we've had talks about death and stuff like that, especially like after uh, my in-law's dog passed away uh, last month and things like that. We've had these talks about, you know, it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to cry and stuff like that. And there are times that he has kind of remained emotionless about some things. Or, you know, he kind of just shrugs his shoulders and like, eh. And I, so, you know, I, I get where, you know, Brandon's parents are coming from in this scene. You know, they're concerned by the fact that Brandon doesn't show any emotion. You know, they're... they're taken aback by his, like, should I be crying line, you know, but then I I know my son can show emotion because he shows it to me quite often in other different ways. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when something truly... If something truly does upset Brandon, you know, stay out of his way. It's kind of the same thing with Brecken. Uh, maybe I'm raising a villain. I have no idea. You know, if something truly upsets him, stay out of his way. So this scene is just another shining example of how this actor managed to capture something so complex and make it seem effortless. But I guess as a parent, it also makes you think about your interactions with your kids on what you think uh, should be emotion-filled subjects. And sometimes this movie is about expectations. And sometimes things don't meet your expectations. And this is one of those situations for both of his parents, even though his mother will continue to defend him up to her death. She even, ha she even has to admit that what's happening right there during this conversation is not right. Oh yeah, definitely. And I like that. That's why I like that scene. I connect with it on a personal level and I and I like the way that it's uh executed and acted out by uh the actor, Jackson. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's all I have for scenes. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only other scene that I did put on there was the the whole truck scene, uncle. That was a. It is a very bizarre and elaborate death scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one was one of those like jaw dropping. Like, wow, did we really just watch this? Uh, jaw dropping. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally jaw dropping. <laughs> I did not mean to do that, but that was very wonderful. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was one of those scenes That's where funny. I'm just like, wow, I just watched that. Okay. All right, we that was cool. Um, well, that moves us on to lines. Uh, so uh, I actually want to list my line first on this one. I love go for it. This line had me thinking all sorts of thoughts. So Brandon, when talking to, I believe it's, uh, I believe it's his aunt. He says, "You know, sometimes when bad things happen to people, it's for a good reason." And to me, this is a very thought-provoking line. Bad things can happen for good reasons. Well, I think that's kind of subjective. I might think something is a good reason to do something, but you might not think it's a good reason to do oh, something. Right. Thing. So this can be a thought process for anyone to reason out a necessity to do bad things. Uh, let's think of other characters in... Uh, cinema that have done stuff like this Thanos for example he believed by ridding the universe of 50% of its inhabitants he was doing the future of the universe a favor so he was committing a bad thing for his quote unquote good reason good reason military strategists Which sometimes it's hard to so, so, sometimes it's hard to to not agree with Thanos. Oh no, trust me, yes. Especially in today's <laughs> age, it's like, oh yeah, I'd like to get my hand on that thing and click and snap. But uh, you know, but military strategists operate on that principle as well. You know, you're going to do something that somebody is going to consider bad, but it's it's going to be for good, quote unquote. Good. This principle is disguised in so many other sayings. You know, like the lesser of two evils. And that implies that all choices right. are bad, but by choosing the lesser of the bad choices, we imply that we are doing it for good reasons. And many people could apply that to the most recent presidential election or, you know, whatever you want to say there. Um, Brandon simply states an idea that is inherent in a lot of ideologies and human practices. And I, I want to throw one more quote out there that kind of goes along with that same idea. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one so mm -hmm. to commit a bad thing for the sake of good intentions for the majority justifies committing that bad thing yeah so sometimes when bad things happen to people it's for a good reason it's a flawed idea but it's one that's prevalent in our society and that's, uh, that, uh, that's why I think it's a very powerful line. Again, showing what a 12-year-old is capable of comprehending in this case. Oh, yeah, that's a really good line. So, what you got? Um, well, one that I have is from Kyle. Uh, when we go back to the whole bleeding thing, and where he goes, he may look like us, sound like us, 
but he has never bled, not once in his whole life. He's never been cut, never broken bone, or had a bruise, and now he's hurting people. Mm-hmm. That's when he finally realizes, hey, something's, something's not right mm-hmm. here. And she's still in denial the whole time. Yeah. She refuses to believe. And then another one, another one from Kyle, too, towards the end of the movie, where he says, where they're talking about, um, she goes, hey, maybe we should, like, tell the authorities or something. And he's like, yeah, and say what to them? Hello, this is our son. We found him in a fucking spaceship <laughs> in the woods. Now what? No, we should have done something about this a long time ago. This is on us. Yeah. You know, that's actually my nitpick. I like that. What? Uh, you know, what do you do with an alien baby that you find in the woods? Yeah, don't raise him as your own. Right? That's <laughs> that's my biggest nitpick, not just about this movie, but about the whole, like, <laughs> Superman. I, I think about it every time I watch Superman. Like, why did they... Why didn't they report this to the authorities? Why didn't they say, hey, this, this and then thing I have questions landed about that too. in a spaceship. I will take you to the spaceship. Send this thing off to Area 51 for study. So, I mean, I guess you could tell your friends that your baby or that the kid was adopted because obviously they never saw you pregnant. And then I could guess you could go to the hospital and say, hey, I've been pregnant for nine months. We just had a baby. We need a social security number for this kid. You know? Yeah. That's a lot of effort and to then, hide something. Yeah. Exactly. And then they would try to go poke and prod him just not I mean, just, just for vaccines and stuff. And would the needle go through? Yeah. Has he ever been to a doctor in the 12 you know? years of his life? Like yeah. for checkups? Anything? Right. Ah, plot holes. Hmm. I don't like it. Bottles, yeah. Um, yeah. The next line I have, um, I like this one. It's between, uh, it's between Tori and Kyle. Yeah, Tori says, "My parents knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't give a shit. They had already written me off." And you know, he's like, "Oh, babe." And she goes, "We can never do that to Brandon. He needs to know we give a shit." And again, being a parent, I, I, I feel that on so many levels, making sure our child or children feel loved, accepted, understood, etc. You know, kids need to know that we care, that we do give yeah. a shit about them. And we don't need to write kids off because the moment you start dismissing what they say or how they feel or anything like that, that you start opening up a can or you start creating a avalanche of problems that uh, could manifest or you know carry on later into life you know? so don't crap on your kids don't shove them off don't do you got to you got to care but here's where her problem is she cared too much she she care she had a fault when it came to this she cared like she a cared mother like a mother and she refused to see that there was something wrong Right. He cared like a dad. Oh, I, I, that that's very sexist. He cared <laughs> to the point that he recognized something was wrong and he was trying to call it out. If he didn't care, do you think he would have ever said anything? He loved I truly believe Kyle loved Brandon. I truly believe right. he loved him. 
But when th- all the weird things started happening and stuff like that, he had to start calling it out and he had to start questioning it and stuff like that. Uh, so I think she was afraid that he was going to push Kyle away or uh, push Brandon away. And it wasn't that so much that he wanted to push Brandon away. He just wanted he wanted validation of there's something wrong with our son or there's something wrong, you know, with this being because he, at, at some point in their argument, he doesn't even refer to him as their son. Um he calls it something, and uh, he's like, "There's something wrong, and we've got to do something about it." So, but again, taking it back to that whole line, you know, they need to, uh, you know, we can never do that to Brandon. He needs to know that we give a shit. It's a powerful line. I think any parent or even any child can relate to. You know, you always want you always want your parents to care about you and everything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And th- that's all I could really think of, uh, like, discuss for lines and stuff like that. There's there's some good lines in here uh, throughout the movie. Uh, some of them, again, back to that whole horror cliche, uh, blah, 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 blah. And But as far as, um, as, far as lines that really stood out to me, that's all I got. The only other one I wrote was when, uh, when Noah is in this vehicle and Brayden is out. And Brandon's flying around. He turns on his lights and he goes, "Nope, <laughs> nope, no, 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 nope, nope." That's all I got on that. Nice. Uh, oh, I've already stated my nitpick. Do you have one, or you know, plot hole or movie mistakes that you would like? To I highlight? mean, I think we've already, I think we've both already covered. Yeah. what we thought were nitpicks and movie mistakes yeah. so far. Seriously, just either keep that baby in that alien ship or turn it in. Don't try to raise it. Yeah, they're not all going to turn out to be yeah, like exactly. Clark Kent. Uh, and that, that, and see, see, on the flip side of that, what if Clark Kent would have been turned in, and he's controlled by the government now? You know, I mean, I'm sure he's all powerful. He wouldn't let the government control him, but he could have because all the prokin and prodi they would have done to him. He could have like had a resentment. And he could have turned out bad just because of that. Just because he was turned into the authorities at a young age. I think what makes Superman Superman is the fact, not just, you know, he's an alien with all these special powers. It's the fact that he he has that humanity. He was raised in love, comfort, reality, and stuff like that. And that's what makes Superman Superman. So I absolutely agree. You know, like if he were turned over to the government, they would have turned him into a, a weapon or he would have harbored resentment. He could have easily turned evil. But it's because of that humanity that he was brought up in that makes him compassionate and that makes him Superman. I mean, when Kevin Costner is your dad, come on. When Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe are your dad, no. Yeah. When Robin Hood's <laughs> are your dad, you can't go wrong. Uh, so, what would you rate the plot of this movie, or rate this movie in general on a scale of one to ten? What What is your rating oh, on this one? Seven. Seven. Okay. Just because I just because I really I really like the concept of the movie. Okay. What about you? I give it a six. Like I said, yeah. you know, entertaining potential of a story, but you know, falls into those familiar habits that prevent it from ever being. Like a top-notch horror film in my in my mind, um, 
not being a filmmaker. I don't think that's what it's going for well, either. You know, it may not have been going for it, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt either. You want to be a do you want to be a standout film or do you want to be a film that kind of gets lost in general? Yeah. You know that that I guess that's rare. I shouldn't say top notch, but I should say a standout film. Um, you know, not being a filmmaker, I can obviously not pass too much hard of a judgment. But as a film lover, I. I I'm more excited and willing to see things I've never seen before. And Brightburn had that opportunity to really tell an excellent, never-before-seen story. The concept was there, but they relied too heavily on things we've already done and seen before. And that's why I highly am uh, promoting a sequel to this, because a sequel would be a chance to move past the cliche and embrace a new frontier. So, but I don't think we'll ever get a sequel. But this. So going back to Superman movies. The whole Clark Kent as a kid thing usually takes place in a 10 minute to five minute span. Whereas we got a whole movie on it this time. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. It just makes sense. I'll say, you know, in the Batman movies, we get like five to ten minutes of kid, you know, kid Bruce Wayne and stuff yeah. like that. No, I get it. Like, it's not it's not very often that we're going to get some sort of origin story where a majority of the story we're seeing the kid, the you know, the it's from the kid's yeah. perspective here. I get that, you know. And like I said, the potential, like we've been saying for the last almost two hours, the potential was there. Again, they just relied too heavily on things that have already come before it to help tell that story. And I really just wish they... But that's the point. Is it not? Do you want to tell literally a story of if Superman was bad? Or do you want to tell a story of a Superman-like character who's bad but not so cliché? But that was the whole point of the movie was to go on to what Superman was, go to to to, to take uh, to feed off what Superman was originally, but just to turn it flipped over on its head. That was the point of the movie. Hmm. Was it not? I guess. I guess. Yeah. 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 I still stand by my six. <laughs> oh no i'm not trying to change your rating or anything but <laughs> well miscellaneous thoughts uh do you have any final thoughts about this movie brightburn um for what it was i mean i'm not saying it's one of the greatest horror movies ever anywhere close but for what it was i thought it was a really well-made movie i like james gunn um i i think i think it was a, a very unique take on one of the most beloved superheroes of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I can... I can agree with that. You know, just... It is what it... It is what it was. And... Uh, yeah. It could have been more. And it definitely could have been less. I mean, so quite honestly, it could have been a worse movie. It really could have. They could have phoned the whole thing in, but they didn't. They 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 delivered something, and like I said, it's an entertaining movie. I'll watch it and stuff like that. 
But uh, as far as if I really had to compare it to other horror movies or anything like that, I just it did not live up to. And that. see, that's that's my thing though. I'm not I'm not categorizing this as a horror movie. I don't look at it at, in the horror movie you lenses. You that's that's never how I've watched this movie. But that's what it is. It's a superhero I get movie, that. but it's a but I've never movie. watched it through. Right, that's, and that's how, that's how I look at it as a superhero movie. I've never, I, like, even for the first day I ever watched it, I never looked at it through the horror movie lenses. Yes, it is a horror movie, but I've never looked at it through that lenses. And when you don't look through that lenses, I think you get a different perspective. Maybe. You went into it thinking this is a horror yeah. movie. I went into it thinking this is a superhero movie or an anti-superhero movie. Hmm. Maybe, maybe my my perspective was skewed from the very beginning. Well, I'm not saying skewed, but no, it's just a different it, perspective. It really was. I, I went into it with an expectation based off of what I already knew about the film. You went into it not knowing anything about right. the film. I went into it. Yeah, I just knew it was a, it was a yeah, Superman. Yeah, I went into it knowing that it's supposed to be a horror film. It was That's the genre it was aiming for. So, uh, But I do want to I do want to do a quick comparison real quick. So I started really thinking about this. So like if this was a horror film, how did it compare to other quote-unquote horror films that came out within the same year? Well, <clears throat> uh-huh. 2019 was actually a pretty busy year for horror movies, believe it or not. Uh, so I'm only choosing to highlight to- uh, the four highest-rated horror movies from that year, according to Rotten Tomatoes. All right. So the highest-rated horror movie from 2019 was a movie called Harpoon. It carries a 97% certified fresh rating. I've never heard of it. Uh, My friends Mark and Brooke did an episode on it over on a podcast on Elm Street. I highly recommend you uh, listen to it. It's it's actually... The movie sounds very intriguing. And here's what the... um, Here's what the critics consensus was. So the basically a synopsis of what all the critics thought. This is a B movie with an A level commitment to entertain and it should hit the target with horror fans in the mood for gory, darkly humorous antics on the open water. Yeah. It's a, it's like a stranded movie. Uh the synopsis of the movie is rivalries, dark secrets, and sexual tension emerge when three best friends find themselves stranded on a yacht. In the middle of the ocean. All right. Yeah. I like streaming. Yeah. Movies. The next, the second highest rated movie, and this one blows my mind because it's an awful movie. Us. I didn't like it either. I, yeah. Really? That's number two? 93% certified fresh. Really? I think they're just going off Get Out. Which I don't like either, but that's another story. Yeah, I like Get Out. But yeah, they s- us, there's just something about that movie I, I, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, aside from the glaring plot holes throughout the entire film, there was nothing scary. And th- there was nothing scary about this movie. Nothing horrific. Nothing that made me jump. Nothing that made me, you know, want to turn on a light if I was watching it at night. Nothing about this movie is horrific at all. Um, Mediocre acting by everybody involved. Uh, mediocre storyline. Just not nah, nah, meh. 
The third highest rated movie, and I've actually been meaning to sit down and watch this, so this is actually making me want to watch it even more now. Third highest rated movie, The Lighthouse, with Robert Pattinson and um, so I didn't uh, see William Defoe. Willem Defoe. I always want to say William. Willem Defoe. Willem. Got Willem. it. 90% certified fresh. They say whatever thoughts you had on Robert Pattinson before this film, you are going to come out thinking something different. All right. And then the fourth... I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it, it, but I've heard amazing things about it. And the fourth highest rated film from 2019 in the horror category was Ready or Not at a certified fresh 88%. I think I saw that and I enjoyed it. Is, it. I love that movie. Wait. Is that the one with yes. the bride? And she, they have to play, or, okay, yeah, have to where play she's, a game. She's being married into the family. Yep. She has to play. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's I a like great movie. movie. Fantastic movie. My buddy Josh over at Horror Movie Crew will sit there and talk your ear off about it for like 7,000 hours. It is, yeah, but it might have worked maybe watch it one night. I was like, oh, wow. that's really Yeah, good. everyone <laughs> spoke so highly of this film. I finally got excited to sit down and watch it when it was on Amazon Prime. And I'll tell you what, it's worth the watch. I, I love that movie. So, I mean, the, those are just the top four of the highest rated movies. And Brightburn fell just short of the halfway mark on this list. So, I mean, again, I guess that's perception. I I perceive it as a horror movie. You don't. So probably a lot of people didn't. So if you are stacking it up against other horror movies, you know what? While we're talking about it, I don't think Ready or Not is a horror movie. There's nothing scary about it. Uh, so there's that movie. What was that movie with... Uh... The Hunter, or Hunted, or The Hunt. Did you see that? I turned it off halfway through. I was so bored. Really? <laughs> oh, I thought it was interesting. I think I got, no, no, I, actually, I stand corrected. I, I made it to the part where they figured out who Hillary Swank was. I think that's okay. the end of the movie, isn't it? Like they discover yeah, who she is, that she's the mastermind, like one of the masterminds behind this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, uh, I, I was so bored. Fair enough. I, I did find I I found the I found the, the the like beginning part of the movie to be interesting only because that did subvert my expectations. Like you know, you saw people like um, uh, Emma Roberts, uh, a couple other people, and you think, oh, those are some big names. Okay, this movie sounds interesting, yeah, and then, and then all of, of a sudden they're not yeah. there anymore, and you're just like, "Wait, wait, what? What? Whoa, 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 whoa! Just what? What happened here? Where? Where'd they go? Why'd you kill them? You know, sorry if we're spoiling that for anybody, but yeah. <laughs> but then after that, it lost me. It really did. So Harpoon is now on Voodoo. Oh, did you buy early? <laughs> you sold me on it, so now I want to watch it. Watch, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There's so many movies on Voodoo that I have bought over the years that I'm like, oh, that was a good movie, or I've heard good things about it that I've never watched. There's a lot of I, I need to sit down and start like the beginning of my list and just go through all the movies that I've never watched. You know, it's funny you said that because I had that thought one time. It's like if I had more time on my hands, I would love to sit there, put your list, put that Voodoo list in alphabetical order, and just literally start at the beginning and work my way through. That would be, be cool. cool. Uh, the only thing that sucks about doing it that way, and even other ways, like how I have the list too when you purchase them, is because 
So say, for example, the Dark Knight series. If you wanted to watch them all in order, they wouldn't be in order by alphabetical order. I know, but like if you get to a franchise, you know you have to watch the franchise. Yeah, yeah, you, you would just skip yeah, you know, right, to right, the right. appropriate movies and then go back to wherever you left off on the list. No, yeah, definitely. Otherwise, you're just going to have a convoluted mess of movies. But uh, So that's 826 movies on here. Damn, that list has grown so much. <laughs> I remember when I first started the first movie, the first movie I ever put on here. Um, shoot, when was that? Back in 2011 or 12 or something like that, when I first Wasn't discovered that, like the digital codes that, for that movies. Project X movie um, or whatever it's called. No, it was actually Snow White and the Huntsman. That was the first movie you put it was on. The there? first movie I ever put on there. Yeah, and then Project X was second, uh, and then um, Harry Potter uh, number seven. And The Hangover 2 and then E.T. were the first five movies I put on there. Wow. But that's when uh, digital copies started coming out with your, when you, because I have tons of, you know, I have tons of Blu-rays, like probably over a thousand Blu-rays upstairs, and they started coming with digital copies. So I was like, eh, I'll put them on here, no biggie. And I didn't think anything of it, but then when I was traveling, that's when I was traveling the country all the time, and I could watch Voodoo on my phone. I was like, oh, cool, I could sit here at the airport and watch a movie on my phone that I already bought. So I just started putting everything on there. And, and now I think I buy more movies on Vudu than I do on actually uh, Blu-ray now. So basically now I put I buy everything through Vudu. And then like if there's a big movie that I want, like, of course, if an MCU movie comes out, I'm getting the actual movie too. Or something like that, you know. Yeah. Of course. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, there's, actually, there's certain movies you just want the physical copies of, you know. It's like a... Right. You know, I, I own all the Star Wars on physical copy and stuff like that. Only because yeah. I mean, you just got to have those. Or like I own all the Harry Potters on physical copies. Do I ever pull them out anymore and watch them? No. I'll just turn on Voodoo. But oh well, yeah, and, and it came in handy this time too. Like I said, we're we're starting the MCU over at work, so I uh, took all twenty three movies up there. And not only that, you have a bunch of great TV shows on there now too. So I mean. A lot of a lot of great stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't buy movies anymore. I usually just wait for you to load something on Voodoo. I I'm such a moocher. <laughs> and I usually I usually, well that's fine. I, I find them for cheap usually when I put them on. There. I did so I did buy. I'll wait for them to go on sale. I did buy a digital um movie on Amazon the other day because it was on sale and I well not the other day like two weeks ago it was on sale and I really wanted to watch it. I bought Silence of the Lambs. I bought uh, the. Uh, I thought I had that. I don't you don't that. have that on Vudu because I went looking for it. Yeah, really? but yeah. I ended up buying it on Amazon because they had the um, they had the UHD version of it for four bucks, and I'm just like sold. Oh yeah, I was like hell nice. yeah. So, and then of course I watched it and remembered how great of a movie it was. Um, oh, I love that. It had been years since I've seen it, and I felt uh, I felt uh the urge to watch it after listening to uh, another uh, podcast episode that a friend of mine did. Yeah, I heard you yeah. talk about that on the on your last Yeah, that was, that was that guy's podcast, uh, Best Film Ever. They did one on uh, Silence of the Lambs. Like, holy crap, I haven't seen this movie in forever, so half the stuff they were talking about I couldn't even remember. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't buy movies. It's the last physical movie I bought. <sighs> Fantastic Beasts, the second one, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and I bought that on 4K. That's the last physical movie I bought. Yeah, I don't think I, I stopped buying movies because of digital too. 
So, I mean, if my internet ever goes out, <laughs> I guess I got to tell you. Yeah, I'm about to say, you still got it. Yeah. <laughs> Karen's like, oh, you should go through your whole movie collection and whatever Robert's got on Voodoo, you should get rid of those movies. Is like, and I said the same thing. It's like, uh, what if the internet what goes What if we ever get hard times and yeah. Yeah, or what if Robert decides all of a sudden he doesn't want his Voodoo account anymore? Well, guess what? Now I don't have access to those movies. So, you know, no. <laughs> That'd be a waste of a lot of money if I did that. <laughs> yeah, you're not just going to abandon it. But still, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, that's Brightburn, guys. Uh, it took us a while to get there, but Brightburn. that was Brightburn. Uh, we actually started talking about the movie a lot sooner than we normally did, though. I do want to note, yeah. we started talking about it about the 30-minute mark, so that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the general consensus is, guys, it's not a bad movie. We enjoy it. Uh, we both have different feelings towards it, but in the end, it's still something that we would we like to sit down and watch. And hopefully, maybe one day soon, we might get more. Who knows? That'd be, That'd be nice. But, I'd like to see how they incorporate the other anti-heroes. Yeah, in. and especially if they're going to connect it back to that movie, Super. So, right. you know. Right, which I need to watch that movie. You know? I remember that being a good movie. Yeah, it's been years since I've watched it, but I also, yeah, again, I remember it being a good movie. It had a, um, oh, what's... May Williams, right? No. No, not May Williams. Oh, it had Ellen Page, right? His name's not Ellen Page anymore. Oh, <laughs> Eric Elliot. Elliot Page. I couldn't, I couldn't remember what, I couldn't remember what he changed his name to. I was like, okay, Elliot Page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, um... He, but it's still listed as Ellen Page, though. So yeah, yeah, because on the movie. You know, <laughs> she was in it, um, and uh, things like that. So yeah, I, uh, I need to go back. Do you have that movie on Voodoo? I don't remember. I don't. I don't think so. But yeah. Other than that, I've got nothing else to say except for, don't do anything stupid. You know. <laughs> there you go. That's all. <laughs> that's so all. I, I am excited. Say. Very, very, very excited about our next talk oh yes all right yes so robert and i have decided or robert has convinced me that we need to have a talk so we're gonna